JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, the news today that's not surprising, Nick Foles was released by the Colts. The bigger news is the rookies were out working out for a first time, and for the first time with the Colts, the uh, people that cover this team on the reg got a look-see at quarterback, the 20-year-old Anthony Richardson. Joe A. Erickson of the Star, one of those, and he joins us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I, you know, I hesitate to say, all right, so how did he look? So yeah, just fair a guess on what you thought you saw during this first practice with the rookies out there today, Joel. Well, it's, it's the, the hard part is it's not a lot. I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's all rookies out there. There's no veterans. They're just running basic stuff. Um, you kind of saw what you'd expect. I think the big takeaway is just Josh Downs and the way he catches everything. Um, you know, for a guy who's, who's small and you wouldn't think of as necessarily having a big catch radius, he made one catch in 11 on 11 on a throw kind of away from him, from from Richardson that was just really kind of arresting just with the hands. Um, but it's it is hard with a lot of stuff. I mean, Richardson was kind of advertised. There were some misses. There's a lot of hits. He's got a lot of arm strength. Big guy, like just kind of what you expected to see, um, but just not a ton of action either in terms of having a lot lot to go on. Yeah, and this is going to be kind of a baby steps process here. I mean, you just kind of take, I guess, what you can get. But I mentioned this, Joel, before I brought you on here. I, I can't remember a time when there was a rookie debut. And even going back to, to really Andrew Luck, and I'm assuming there are a lot of things playing to that, including the fact that everybody knew that he was absolutely the one right there. But I can't remember a time when there was so much interest in seeing a rookie's debut at a workout like you witnessed a little bit earlier today. Yeah, well, we, we, we kind of all knew that was coming. And then the other thing is just, you know, what this franchise has been through a quarterback since Andrew retired. Um, and I think, you know, just this is, this is Jim Irsay said it last weekend. Like his development is means so much to this franchise's future. Everybody knows that, um, and I think that that's probably going to be the case for a long time now. Is everything Anthony Richardson does, we're going to watch, we're going to pay attention to, and, and we're going to see how this how this guy grows uh, into an NFL career. So Joey Erickson of the Star, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Are you okay with the way, and I had not really a problem whatsoever in terms of what Chris Ballard and company did in the draft, but are you a fan of consistent trading back? Would you like to see maybe a time where you put something together and try to trade up? Because I would. Where do you lie as far as an opinion on, on the tact in which 
Chris ends up taking. And in this case, this year, once again, trading back and getting multi after multi fifth rounders as he did. I thought this year they. I thought this year it makes a lot a lot of sense to trade trade back the way they did. They it, like I, I put together a depth chart of who was on the fifty three before the uh, before the draft, and there, there were several spots that just kind of jumped out as there just wasn't a lot of depth there. They had to add a, a lot of players at a lot of spots. Um, they've when, when they've traded up for in the past, you know, they traded up for Jonathan Taylor, traded up for Nick Cross. Um, so they'll they'll do it sometimes, but I, I did think that this draft, given the way the roster was, given the lack of depth on the roster, this draft was calling for trading down. The one spot that I might, might have traded up this year, uh, I, it would have been tough for me to sit there at three, or sit there during the th- three. Well, you know Arizona's trying to trade the pick, uh, right. and and wait to see if my guy got to me. That I, I probably would have pulled the trigger on whatever Arizona wanted just to make sure, especially after Stroud came off the board. You think number one overall the Colts would have chosen Anthony Richardson? It's, I mean, that's, it, it sounds like it from everything they've said, but they're also not going to tell yeah. us if <laughs> they're also not going to tell us if they really decided they like Bryce. No, no. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. This is just an opinion piece right here. Could, I will tell you this, Joel. Um, I thought the only outlier in that would have been maybe some interest in Young. But from what I gathered, they didn't have any interest in Stroud. And obviously, the, the interest in, in Levis you know, faded once, if they did have some, but once um, Shane Steichen got in the building as the head coach. And I like this, Joel, that, that Shane Steichen had – at least according to what I heard, the overwhelming voice between the decision makers on where he wanted to go with the quarterback. And I think that is the biggest reason why that quarterback moving forward is Anthony Richardson. Well, I think, I think it, it, it probably it sounds like to me that it came down to, you know, both Ballard and Steichen came to the same decision independently in terms of and kind of enjoying. I, I heard where Ballard had said, you know, um, you know, two weeks into into Steichen being here, he called him his office and said, "Hey, we can really do something with this guy." Um, but but he's also the kind of quarterback prospect that fits what Ballard likes in draft prospects. You know, he's got the traits. There's a lot of stuff you can see what he might be able to be in, in the future. And 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 then on top of that, Ballard has, Ballard has said, you know, he said at the owners' meetings, I after they made the pick, I was thinking I should have made a bigger deal out of it. But he said, you know, he's always felt that in today's day and age, you have to have a quarterback who can do something with his legs because of the stress it puts on defenses. And I was thinking about it before the draft, but I, I didn't I didn't hit it as hard as I should have in terms of, you know, obviously that all the guys in this draft could move, but only one of them can move like Richardson can. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, and, and the whole Ursay thing went back to, you know, after Jalen Hurts and – I, it, it's funny when you bring that up, and Joel A. Erickson of the Star joins us. Um, I, that's certainly what Jim Irsay was impressed with, the Jalen Hurts performance. You know, they, they win here in a game that the Colts could have, should have, would have uh, won here at home last season. But I, I still kind of wonder how much Jim needed talked into a 20-year-old, going to be 21 at the start of the season quarterback to be the long-term future, you know, regardless of all the athleticism and, and all those things, 
with the 13 games as quarterback and, and really, you know, hanging your hat on that for the long-term future. I'd love to know exactly and initially what Jim thought if he were ever able to actually tell us the truth and if indeed he needed to be talked into it at all. Well, the the key conversation that they that 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 Ursay alluded to when he talked about Anthony Richardson last week was that he said he talked to Steichen and he he really had a conversation with him about can you make him like can we really develop him into uh, an elite passer because you know Ursay like like you mentioned Ursay has mentioned several times that Hurts game and how they have such an advantage because. With Hertz being a runner, they have the way he puts it is they have four downs and twelve players on the field because the quarterback's running back and a, and a quarterback at the same time. But he did say that he had a conversation with Shane Steichen where he was he was talking about you know can we develop him? Why do you believe you can develop him into an elite passer? This is still a passing league. This is NFL. The NFL is still a, a passing league. Can you do it? And Steichen convinced him that they could. And it's that, I thought that that was was probably the biggest window into what what he had to be convinced of during the draft process. So, Joel A. Erickson of the Star. Joel, before I let you go, uh, pump up what you're writing about, what you're talking about, because you, know, you got the window with the rookies right now, and then certainly we look forward to further down the road here in the late spring and the summertime. And, you know, week number one, that decision that is going to loom. If you were a betting man right now, since this jackass on the radio is asking you, would you bet that Richardson starts week number one or sits week number one? I lean towards him starting week one. Based on based well on Steichen, based on both Steichen and Ursay saying that they they felt like to keep her, the best way for him to get better is to play. Uh, I lean towards him starting week one. I think that the other thing is that the fact that he is such a good runner makes it easier to get him on the field because there's there's something else you can do with him um, that you can't do with another quarterback. Yeah, that's true, and it's funny. Like, you had a fan base here that, that I think most of the people that I talked to ultimately wanted to see Richardson. But there's also a high number of folks that's cool with seeing Minshew. Now, there are people out there that are cool. And I guess that comes from Minshew, you know, having ownership of the Colts in the past, playing against them in Jacksonville. But it's just kind of funny how that dynamic works because I think most of the people out there are still going to be okay if it is Minshew. But certainly the overwhelming prospect of having Richardson start, to me, uh, is exactly the path you need to take here to get that experience going. Well, realistically, we've seen what Gardner Minshew is in the NFL. You know, he, he started two games for the Eagles yeah. last year with all that firepower on offense, and they didn't win them. You know, so there's not a ceiling there. I understand people liking Minshew, and he's got that cult of personality, but it's, yeah. it's, we've, we've seen his ceiling. No, you're right. You're right. I've been on board with Richardson, and I'll stay on board with Richardson, too, and we'll see where that goes. Hey, Joel, I appreciate you hopping on here on short notice. I just wanted to make sure we addressed today, and nobody was surprised that Nick Foles was released. But my man made some money here. Good for him. (laughs) Well, Foles, the thing with Foles is, like, my understanding is with Nick Foles is that if you're trying to figure out, okay, he's had a career, why does it work sometimes and it doesn't work other times? It's it's really – it's really a confusing career when you look at it in terms of just the highs he reached and the lows he had. And my understanding is that a lot of it has to do with the offense that you tailor to him. And the moment they fired Frank Reich, 
like that was why he was here. That's also the, his best chance of being successful at this point was Reich knows what offense you have to call for him and how you have to call it. Now you have to set up the game plan. And with him gone, like, you know, they put him in late. Just Saturday, they put him in late trying to get more explosiveness into the passing game. But then I remember we asked him, like, are you going to make changes to the, the playbook? And Saturday was like, well, we can't really make big changes at this point. In my head, I was like, well, that's, 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 that's going to make it really hard on Nick Foles because he's got yeah. – there's a specific way he has to play, and they they weren't going to do it. Now, he probably doesn't have any of the – he probably didn't have the Eagles Foles left in him. But they also – you know, you think about all the stuff that he went through last year where he's a two and then he's a three and he's never taking snaps at the starters. The next thing you know, he's thrown into this offense that's been dumbed down and simplified and has nothing to do with what it, like he does best. He really didn't have a shot to be impactful here. And it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, they really they really thought that they had two years with with those older quarterbacks, and maybe they would have drafted you know a quarterback this year or, or traded up for one or something in this class to play behind them. But they they thought they were headed for two years, and all that only lasted like seven games. And after that, uh, it that yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is so funny. It's so funny. That's the same thing they they had hoped with with Rivers. That they're going to squeeze. Yeah. It was always kind of a two-year scenario, right? To squeeze two, squeeze two years, another year out of Rivers, and you know they they wanted that, and they thought they were going to get that, and they were surprised whenever Rivers decided to go ahead and coach high school football. It's funny how that has been a a case a couple of different times here. Joel, have a fantastic weekend. We'll check in again soon. Thanks on short notice for hopping on here today. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, and I will have to apologize to our next guest from ESPN Radio as Mike Wells joins us. There is no Mike Wells slow jammery entry because I'm on the road today. But Mike, as I bring you in, I will tell you this. We've got a couple of fantastic outings coming up. Are you ready? You know what I'm talking what about? No, uh, no, uh, no. Actually, maybe even three, but I know two for sure. So one, from what I've heard, and Dion's going to be here in a bit, I believe we're, we're going to have a spot with them at LL Cool J at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, of course. That's LL Cool J and and Rakim and a host of others at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, our friend DJ Gino is putting on in June a kind of a fresh fest, old school festival at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum with Rakim and others up there that we will be a part of. So those are two. And what? I was assuming this because you didn't you didn't show up back in September, but we have Jodeci, Drew Hill. And SWV at TCU Amphitheater coming up later on this summer. So I've got a triple threat for us here to go to this summer, as long as you're down with it. Hell yeah, I'm down for that. Oh, my. Hey, I'm showing up at LL, sporting the Kango up in that bad boy with a swing. You better, man. With with a suede uh, jumpsuit on. You know, the news you just dropped. Let's me forget that we did not have a slow jam re-entry today. That overshot. I'm glad. I, I felt glad bad about that, too. I felt bad, but I thought that that, 
that would cure any kind of hostility you may have because of the lack of a slow jam reentry. But now, uh, those these th- those are three right there, right up our our alley. I actually saw Amp and and Dion last night, and we were kind of talking about some of those shows. But I go back with LL to 1987, 1987, and a what they called then a fresh fest. I think it was in November. Maybe it was earlier, but I thought it was in November at then Market Square Arena, and it was Run DMC, LL, Dougie Fresh, and the Get Fresh crew, Eric B. and Rakim, Public Enemy, and Houdini. So we get there. Can you, we all roll up from Greene County, right? And we get there, and it says on the door, Run DMC will not be performing tonight. And while we were bummed, because that's when Raised in Hell was huge, LL Cool J put on, he, he did I'm Bad and I Need Love and, you know, radio and all that stuff from the late 80s. He was incredible. But, no, it introduced me to two of my all-time favorites, Eric B. and Rakim, and more Rakim than Eric B., but Public Enemy for the first time. And while it was, a, you know, it was kind of, you, you saw Public Enemy for the first time, and you're from Greene County, and you kind of, wait, what's happening here? But, man, it was awesome. Chuck D. was in rare form, and so was Flavor Flav. So I'm going to kind of relive those memories of 1987 at a Fresh Fest with all that is going on, because these are three badass shows for sure. Listen, all, hey, listen, Public Enema. Hey, pu- pu- uh, pu- remember what movie that was, Public Enema? They're playing that public in there next to it. What movie was that? Yeah, oh, that was a Boomerang. No, House Party, House Party. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was thinking, yeah. because same guy. Same guy, yeah. but yeah, Boomerang. House Party. Yeah, they're having a House Party, yeah. Yes, you do have some nice ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hey, you're, you're giving out free tequila. Where the hell is Hagen at today? That's a good question. I don't know. That is a hell of a question. I was ready to send him a text and saying, hey, we're, you know, here and getting ready to have a great show for Cinco de Mayo. And I fell asleep under a tree across the street for about an hour and a half and forgot and then woke up in time to come over here. So I I forgot to get a hold of him. He may not be happy. Oh, you know, that means he's going to go dark on you for like six weeks. Because, you know, he's going to be butthurt that you didn't reach out, man. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, we got some goodwill. He's done some crap to me here with all this whole stealthing out stuff where uh, he has to kind of look in the mirror a little bit and say, okay, I do kind of owe you a couple here. So I think I think we will be okay. I, we haven't talked because last week and at this time last week we were talking to Anthony Richardson on this show. Um, I thought he was great on the show. Now, you would expect – you know, anybody that just drafted that high as a quarterback, any quarterback in the NFL to be great. But I thought he was he is humble. He was enjoyable. It was a, a really fascinating seven or eight minutes with him before he met with Jim Ursay. But what did you think about the direction they went with Anthony Richardson? Was that something draft wise that satisfied you? You know, I, I, it, what I liked is I liked that Chris Ballard swung for the fences. Because the, the, the conservative approach that he's taken in recent years, you know, from, you know, saying, okay, Jacoby Brissett, and then guys that were over the hill, basically guys who didn't, who whose previous teams didn't want them anymore, he, he thought they had something left in the tank. Basically, what Chris Ballard said, two P, two P's in a bucket, effort, and decided to swing for it. Yeah. And, and went with Anthony Richardson. And I, I got to tell you, though, 
when 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 news of the trade with the um um uh, uh, guy with the Arizona Cardinals broke, yeah, I was like, oh boy, somebody's gonna leapfrog him and take Anthony Richardson because Stephen Holder was all over. He kept he kept saying Richardson despite what the national folks were saying about Will Levis, and yep. that would that would essentially have screwed. The Colts over. Can you imagine me and Chris Ballard having to talk to your boss, a.k.a. Jim Irsay, and say, I messed this up by saying put at number four, and we didn't get the quarterback we truly, truly wanted? Yeah, I, I, I wonder, too. I, I kind of put this out there. I kind of wondered how much, you know, initially they had to kind of talk him in into that. And just because of the age and the inexperience, but the one thing that we did know, and especially after, Mike, that Philly game last year, that was a near-miss loss for the Colts, and Jalen Hurts did what he did. It was that moment after the game where Jim Mersey kind of realized and certainly vocalized, you know, the level of importance is to have a multi-threat quarterback like Jalen Hurts. So it's interesting that now the head coach is Shane Steichen, and he had the loudest voice in that room to bring in Anthony Richardson, and that basically was a diagram that Jim Mersey talked about after that Philly loss going back to last November. Yeah. Now, are, are you buying the notion of when Ursay said if they had the number one overall pick, they would have taken Anthony Richardson? Are you are you are you taking it to that extreme, or is that just um, Ursay being being Ursay? I I would not put it past him. The outlier to me is young. The outlier to me is young, but I I never got the impression, Mike, that they had much interest at all in Stroud. I mean, I did. Yeah. Others did. But from what I had heard, it didn't sound like that they had a great deal of interest in Stroud. So, you know what? To a degree, Mike, I do buy that. I do buy that they may have gone gone that direction. Now, again, the outlier is young with me, but I just don't think they had a great deal of interest at all in Stroud. Yeah, well, you know, it'll, um, you know, the question I keep getting from people now, especially my students, they were asking, would you start them from day one? Would you, throw him in, would you throw him in a fire from day one? And as I put it, if he earns your job, and it, even if he's even with Gardner Minshew, going in at the end of training camp or the end of the preseason, I'm going with Anthony Richardson because you got to put you got to put him in a fire and just see whatever happens and go with whatever happens happens. If, if he struggles and you continue to lose, you get another high draft pick. Um, I mean, I think. The uh, the Colts in the position where you know what you know and you've talked you you've been you've been driving the bus like this that Chris Ballard has several yeah. more years with the addition of Anthony Richardson so um, if you stink you stink you get another high draft pick to add another piece next year yeah and I think that that Chris kind of laid that groundwork when he said hey don't expect this guy to be Superman right out of the gate it's going to take some time but even with that and as much as I enjoyed Gardner Minshew conversationally. He's like that, Mike, that insurance policy that you're glad that you have, but you really don't know too much about it because either, A, you haven't used it, and certainly you don't want to use it, B. I think that's Gardner Minshew to me. If you have a a then, at the start of the season, 21-year-old quarterback you're trying to work in, he would have to be, and I think that's, that's what would bum me out more than anything. For him not to start in week one, think about how far off the pace he would have to be 
And I really don't want to hear that. I don't think anybody really wants to hear that. I think if he starts, you know, that means that you feel good about where he is time-wise on the schedule of uh, both adaptation and and certainly uh, maturity, evolution. I think that's what you want, and I think that's what they're looking for. And I think it would take a lot for him not to be good to go and start in week number one. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking right now in May. Listen, I, I hope the kid's starting. I hope I hope he's starting because, uh, I mean, you know, A, they they believe in him, and uh, B, they're just going to say, you know, screw it. We'll roll him out, and whatever comes about in the season, comes about in the season. So I hope he's out there as the uh, as the starter. Did you like the rest of the draft? Um, I did in terms of what they addressed. I, like others, instead of the consistent trading back, to where the belief is some of these dudes are going to get cut and not make the team. And I know that you're kind of throwing darts at a dartboard to see what you can come up with. But wouldn't you rather see if you could put something together and then move up and get somebody that you could count on a little bit more where they're drafted has a little bit ready made of uh, an NFL possibility than just swinging at multi fifth round picks and Again, how many of these guys are going to make the team? If, if you were a betting person right now, who would you bet of this rookie class? And I'm not talking about the undrafted free agents, but of the rookie drafted class, are, are there – how many are there that are absolute outside of Anthony Richardson? How many are absolute? Holy cow. Downs, man, the wide receiver, Brents, yeah. the corner. But after that, I mean, do you have absolutes there? Probably not, do you? No, no, oh no, and, and you know that's the thing. I mean, I know Ballers. You know his 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 stick is he loves his draft picks, but you're going back and back and back, and those guys like you said, like you alluded to, those guys that are selected in later rounds, the the percentage of them sticking around on on, on the uh, making a roster decreases the further back in the draft you go. So. It'll 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 be um, interesting how this all pans out and stuff on uh, which guys or at some point is Ballard gonna say you know what let's let's stop trading back and say where we're at or to be more aggressive and try to move up um, to, to be able to put a more competitive roster on the field and by when when does the NFL schedule get released? What's there about what? When does the NFL schedule get released? Uh, when is that? A couple of weeks, I think, something like that, I believe. I always, always thought it was uh, in April, man. Uh, but maybe, maybe old age is playing. Tickets. I thought I thought it was coming up here in a couple of weeks. I could be wrong. Yeah, so I I can't wait to see whether where you know how tough the season going to be, how tough the schedule will be to open the season. Uh, then we can really start about Anthony, Anthony Richardson being out there. I um again I didn't mind Mike the draft, just because I mean at least they addressed what needed to be addressed it's just kind of the way you go about it sometimes and the the consistency of trading back sometimes that gets a little bit old you know what i mean yeah no i i'm i'm, I'm a completely on board with you on that one the whole uh back 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 uh situation <clears throat> excuse me and when you look at when you look at the, the guys the 12 guys they pick out let's take let's take downs and richardson out, out of the mix which guy? Which guy do you think? Okay, could be a guy that can come in and contribute. Could be a guy that could, you know, potentially be a week one starter. Well, I mean, I certainly would go with Brent's the kid from Warren Central, because they have such a desperate need in that secondary. 
And knowing what Gus Bradley seems to like as far as, you know, the secondary is concerned, you know, liking these these bigger guys, even though in, in this case he's not the fastest guy, that's kind of it. Uh, May the 12th um, is what uh, somebody has told me about that schedule, by the way, too. So, and, okay. and it was also an agreement that trading back constantly like that sucks. So that's true. So May the 12th, yeah, it says right here, Adam Schefter reported the NFL is targeting next Thursday, May the 11th, as a date to release the 2023 NFL draft. So somewhere in the neighborhood of next week. So that's kind of what we thought. Yeah, so good. Well, something good to talk about. Uh, breaking breaking on the schedule off of things. So the draft's done. The harder free agency is complete. Yeah. Can this team even get close to 500? I, um, I don't think so. I don't think they can be certainly as bad as what they were a year ago. But, yeah, near 500 seems like, even with the type of schedule that they, they're going to have, I can't imagine it. I do hope this, though, Mike, and I've kind of compared the two. I hope that it ends up for the fans here like the Pacers did because the Pacers did not heap the expectations on, as we know. And then when they started winning in December and everybody got excited, it was kind of a a boost. It was a juice for an organization of the Pacers at that time that needed it. And we're in the midst of a similar situation with the Colts right now, an organization that needs that type of juice. So that's what you look for. You know, maybe a game or two where you didn't think you were going to win and you do, and you're, you're more competitive than people think right now. Because as you mentioned at the top, and I've talked about, Bowler's going to be here for three years. He's going to be here for three years to see where the whole Anthony Richardson thing is, you know, in that third year and where they're going from there. So he's going to be the guy. So there's, you know, unless this is an absolute disaster, he's going nowhere. So why not give the fans a reason to wonder, hey, maybe this team's ahead of schedule? Because that's exactly what we thought with the Pacers in December. Now, you know, once Halliburton got injured, that certainly faded away. But the interest did maintain. And then when you look at it, in terms of, you know, the Pacers getting it right and being on the right track. That's how the Pacer fans felt, and I think it's important for Colts fans to feel in a similar fashion. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I would, you know, ideally I'm sure Colts fans would love for the um, team to come out and start off with a strong start, but the worst thing that could happen is they get off to a quick start and they fizzle out. Yeah. If they could just sprinkle sprinkle in some wins throughout, it, it would be good. Don't come off slow when you start off 0, 0 and four, zero and five, and then all, and then then you pick it up because by then fans are going to be upset. Then they oh here we go again. But you know lose one or two in a row and pick up a couple wins just just to keep the interest in it. They they you know that that's how that's how far this franchise has fallen is that you got to hope to keep the interest. In the fan base, you got You can't sit here and 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 go, and go on a streak and have a bunch of duds because people yeah, yeah. Are, are, are pretty are pretty turned off right now. Well, they've been yanked through it. I mean, they've been promised a lot of crap that has not nearly come true, not nearly come to fruition. So let let's face it. I mean, this this fan base is owed a lot. It is owed a lot, and all this. Well, you know, they're spoiled. Yeah, my ass, they're spoiled. 
I, the older generational fans out there aren't spoiled because, you know, I remember being here, you know, up until that 95 season when it was at times can be a significant struggle. And the organization, you know, had that struggle. So there's, there's no being spoiled. And, and this fan base has been promised a lot and there's been a lack of delivering. So, you know, having a season, you know, in bits and pieces, Mike, to where you kind of outgrow your expectations a little, even if it's not legitimate enough to win a division or to be 500 or make the postseason, I think that is okay. And that's not a defeatist attitude. That's a realist attitude also with trying to generate interest that clearly by the end of last year had completely faded away to nothing. Yeah. Um, in, in, in agreement, 100, 100% what you said, but Man, it, it just 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 think just think about it. I mean, it, this has been the case nonstop since you know outside of the 2020 season where nobody ever met yeah. Philip Rivers uh, officially since August 25th, 2019. That's that's where it is. we're going on four years of yeah. hoping that the Colts can turn its corner and give and give hope and optimism. Four years of it, Jay. That is. That's embarrassing. That's that's the only way to put it, and I, it, it doesn't help. I know Jim Irsay is a prideful owner who loves his team, but it doesn't help when the owner is outspoken and with with his with his expectations. You can believe in the stuff, but when you publicly say it, it puts pressure on everybody in that building. Well, and you can't promise and then not deliver on anything. I mean, you can't constantly promise. And, you know, you talk about all the time, the multiple Lombardi's quote and, you know, the all chips in. And people have suggested he meant something different. You know what? It doesn't matter because all chips in around here was interpreted by the fan base as you putting all your chips on the table to stink and win something. And all these promises, you know, and all these, you know, pumping your fist about this is what we're going to do, they didn't just fall short. They fell flat. So that's why I mentioned yeah. this fan base is, is owed a great deal. I mean, it, it, Chris Ballard's right there, too. I mean, Chris Ballard, Jeff Saturday had won two more games. Chris Ballard's probably not here, and Jeff Saturday's still the head coach. So, I mean, not a lot of guys go through six years of, of winning one playoff game and still being able to direct. So, I mean, this, yeah, I, I would agree. Show signs, that's okay. Nobody's expecting them to win the division. Nobody's expecting them to make the postseason, but show some signs of growth. And then furthermore, hopefully you see Anthony Richardson, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is legit and was the right selection right there. All the hype around him is real. That's what you got to hope. Or in this case, if you're the Colts right now, Mike, that's what they need to be believing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that um... – Three of the four, uh, actually, Will Evans was second round pick, but three of the first four quarterbacks taken will be in the, in the AFC South next season. I love it. I hope it works out to something. I hope it's not something where we're talking about, hey, it's still the AFC South and it sucks. You know? I hope it works well, out. Because <laughs> that'd be fun. I, I love the, the Levis thing is great because there is nobody out there that I think would be more of a portrait of taking that slight and that embarrassment last Thursday night and doing something with it especially within the Colts division, the Colts being a team that passed on him. And really, if you want to put it this way, the Texans being a team that passed on him. 
Uh, that's that's tremendous when you think about it. So hopefully all this works out to where you know, this AFC South is a rebirth of sorts all the way around for the foreseeable future. Oh, that'd be hey, that'd be a thing of beauty. That'd be a thing of beauty if the AFC South to rebound because obviously we you know Trevor Lawrence is the cream of, uh, of yeah. the uh, crop right now down there in Jacksonville. What um what's Morgan Laney doing this weekend? They are uh, playing in Lafayette. Okay. Are you going up there? Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, they're playing in Lafayette at 9 and 10. Blake Thomas, Ron Colley, has service hours, so he's doing Gleaner's Food Bank. And um, oddly enough, at Gleaner's Food Bank, if you're under 18, you have to bring a chaperone or a parent. So uh, he and I both are going to be working at Gleaner's Food Bank tomorrow morning from 8.30 until 12.30. So I'm going with Blake, and Christy is is going to go up and probably gouge her eyes out at some of the hoop she's going to watch in Lafayette coming up tomorrow morning. 7 until 10 a.m. I don't know where at in Lafayette. I don't know if it's near Purdue. I don't know where the hell it is, but it's somewhere up in Lafayette tomorrow morning. Uh, and I am going to be – and I, listen, I, I did with Blake Gleaner's Food Bank last month the uh, Easter weekend, um, and I'm glad I'm doing it, Gideon, too. I'm glad he's doing it. There is nothing more gratifying. It was an awesome experience. It was the first time I did it, and I did it again because he, you know, you know, he has to, you know, come up with service hours, and he wanted that to benefit Gleaners, and I thought that that was pretty special, pretty cool of him. But um, it, is, it is an awesome experience. I would invite anybody out there, if you have the time and the inclination, uh, to uh, grab your kid and you know do some of those service hours on a Saturday morning out on the west side of Gleaner's Food Bank. It's pretty cool. Hey, that's a, that's a great thing you guys are doing. I know you. I know you. You want to see your girl Lainey and stuff play, but that, yeah. that, that what you guys are doing is um, you know uh, e- e- even even more important. So props to you and Blake on that. Is my girl? I think I saw enough Lainey. of it at Warren Central last week. I don't know how much more I need. I don't know if I can do back to back. I think it's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, hey, well, okay. Is, is my girl Lainey getting more playing time on this team than she, she is? She, she okay. is. She is. So yeah, it's uh, much better than Coach Perm. So yes. <laughs> All right, but hey, well, you, you, hey, you have a great weekend, man. Um, and I will. Uh, you guys enjoy yourself tomorrow morning at. Um, Hey, you know, you tell, stuff. I will tell my girl Layla that we miss her and we'll see her again soon. And uh, next remote, you got to come out. But remember, uh, LL Cool J, among others, Gambridge Fieldhouse, Rakim, MC Light, among others, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and uh, Drew Hill, Jodeci, and SWV at TCU Amphitheater. Three shows we're going to this summer. Be ready. All right, brother. I'm ready. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you next week. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline of FanDuel TV. Listen, I am lost without Mike Joyce right here about the 149th Kentucky Derby. I don't know a thing, so go ahead, Mike. Spread the wealth on what you know to begin with about tomorrow's race. Uh, I know it's, uh, it's a wide-open derby this year. I mean, we we got to start with Forte. He's a champion two-year-old from a year ago, and he's done nothing wrong. He won the Fountain of Youth and the Florida Derby down at Gulfstream Park in his two starts this year. 
he looked great doing it in, in his uh, founder youth. He, he blew doors off, and then his his Florida Derby. He only won by a little bit, but it was it was a real impressive race because Mage came in and looped him, passed him, and then as soon as that horse passed him, he he got back into the bit. He accelerated about it. It didn't look like he was going to win at the top of the stretch. By the time they crossed the wire, he was you know under a gallop and, and the stranglehold. I mean, the jockey was standing up on him. He went by by a length. It was super impressive. So he, like he's a deserving favorite. He's he's an excellent animal, but there's just so much talent across the board in this year. I mean, you seriously, you throw a dart, you're not going to be bad off. Um, I, you know, I, I, could, I could give you 10 horses here. I'll tell you who I like the most is the horse in confidence game for Keith DeSormo. He's a real nice runner. He's coming in off like a 10-week layoff because he, he qualified by winning the Rebel Stakes at Oakland. And it, it, it took a lot out of him. He came out of that race. He was real tired. And it took him a little bit to get back into it. So Keith opted not to race him and just train him into the Derby. And that was validated by his most recent work last weekend. He worked like a complete monster. It was the fastest work of the day. He was just gliding over the racetrack. And so Keith's on cloud nine. That horse is 20 to one on the morning line. But uh, he, he, he's as live as any of the other runners in here. But you just got, you got a crazy, crazy field. Mike Brent Holverson with Heaven Hill here. How are you, man? I'm uh, doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't <laughs> get to you guys earlier. I'm, I'm in the grandstand. There's about 150,000 people here. And I'm walking around. We went off the air as soon as the stakes races start. So I'm, I'm in a box with my brother. So it was hard to get reception. But I, I finally found a spot. Well, we appreciate you joining us here. Hey, I wanted to ask you. I just got a little. I got a text. I got, I got some inside people over there. Anything happened to Forte? I, there was a little rumor he took a bad step in training yesterday. And I, I'm a big Forte fan, as you spoke of here earlier. But I just saw this. And again, you know, it's all rumor. But have you heard anything down there at the track? Well, it's not a rumor. He didn't take a bad step. He just kind of stumbled in his gallop. And so he wasn't, it wasn't a work. Like when we say a horse works, that means that they're really, you know, putting some gas down and they're trying to get fit and trying to get fast. And it's, you know, a display of what they're capable of. A gallop is just like a jog, right? They just kind of go around the racetrack. It's just, a, just to kind of stay, stay fit. And, they, you know, they gallop or jog, you know, just, just about every single day. A horse goes to the track. Sometimes they'll just walk. But it was a very routine gallop. And he just stumbled a little bit. And there's really not much to be made of it. Um, I oh, don't I'm, I'm glad horse- you... Yeah, I don't think the horse is any worse for the wear. I wouldn't let, let's put it this way. If you like Forte and you're going to bet him, you know, he's going to be probably four to one come post time. He's going to be for a favorite. You know, you bet two bucks, you're going to get 10 back. You can add your own zeros. It, I wouldn't talk myself off of him just because of that little, that little stumble in a workout. I wouldn't like there's anything wrong with him. Well, great. No, and again, I heard that, so I knew you're there and you got the knowledge. Just, uh, it was a little bit that, uh, enough for me to bring it up and ask, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. No problem. It is uh, Michael Joyce of FanDuel TV, the racing host, the analyst, and reporter. By the way, Michael, you live in Orange County in Southern California, and one of our great listeners is Jim McCann, who I believe lives about two miles from you. He had mentioned that he's a huge horse racing fan, and he is a big fan of yours. So I wanted to give Jim a shout-out, who is listening online from Orange County, California, about two miles from where you live. I thought that was pretty cool, and he's a big fan of yours, and I wanted to make sure that you did know that. And I also wanted to continue with this. You mentioned that you could throw a dart at this field and be okay. Um, How good is this field compared to what we have seen in recent history at the Kentucky Derby? So as far as stacking up to other crops of three-year-olds, um, good. Not great. There's not like a – I don't think anyone's expecting crazy Hall of Famers, but that's the beauty of the Derby, right? These are developing three-year-olds. We really don't know what they are until, until tomorrow, right? And then that's kind of the first indication of, hey, we got some stars in the making because usually the Derby winner goes on to become a real nice horse. And the horses that are on the Triple Crown path, 
after after tomorrow, they either five fall by the wayside and become an average, you know, just kind of uh, lunch bucket blue collar horse, or they become you know a grade one animal that's you know running for big stakes money. So that that's the beauty of the Derby. I think this year, I like. I think it's a good crop because at the top there's some talent, and then there's not a lot of separation between one and, and twenty, right? I mean, there's 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 a case to be made for almost every runner in the field this year. So there is some parity, which I think makes it really exciting. I mean, you're going to have let's put it this way: there's an argument to be made that a horse named Reincarnate is the fastest horse in the field, at least in like the first quarter mile or half mile. That fastest horse in the field is going to be ridden by John Velasquez, who's won four derbies. Well, three if you don't count Medina Spirit, but he's crossed the wire four times in the derby first. He's a Hall of Famer. He has the record for earnings for a jockey in the, in the entire history of the sport. So you have the best jockey ever on the fastest horse in the derby. And that horse is 50-1 to 1 on the morning line. So that gives you an idea of just how much, how much of a case you can make up and down the line for every single runner. Wasn't that the same horse? That was a Bob, that was a Bob Baffert horse at some point in time, right? Yeah, I was trained by Baffert, and then he's, you know, under suspension from Churchill Downs. He's not allowed to run in the derby. Right. So when they look like derby contenders and they're going to start running in the points races to qualify, and then they, they've moved to other barns. So Tim Yakteen is a trainer, and it would be a big win for Tim Yakteen. His horse, practical move, that won the Santa Anita Derby, that was always his horse. It was never in the Baffert barn. Had to scratch because of an untimely temperature. I don't even think you could call it a fever. It's like when your kid spikes a 99-degree temperature, and you're like, I don't know if I should send him to school. But they're so careful. They take such good care of these horses that they start them on antibiotics and they say they don't mess around. So the horse is probably fine today. But since he went on antibiotics yesterday, you can't have antibiotics in your system to run. Um, So, you know, he'll be fine. But to have to scratch out of the derby for a trainer like Tim Yakin is awful. So for him for him to have reincarnate as, you know, his 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 second choice going poster, it would mean a lot for him to win because. It's not like he's paper training for Baffert. The, the, the horse has moved into his barn. He's managing the horse. He's overseeing the works. He's training. He's making all the decisions. So it is a Tim Yakin trained horse. That's awesome. He has spent his entire professional career in horse racing. It is Michael Joyce with us, a FanDuel TV racing host, analyst, and reporter via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So uh, the folks here in Indy, Michael, want to know, what, what's your pick? What do you got here coming up tomorrow? What are your thoughts? Okay, write this down, everyone, because – the beauty okay, of it is you can, bet, you, can, you can bet on the Derby through the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and you don't even need a separate account. This is the first year that we're the only sportsbook, and the, it's the first year that a sportsbook app has ever had horse racing in it. So in years past, you would have to go to you know, a TVG or, a, or another ADW specifically for horse racing to bet. But you can bet on your FanDuel Sportsbook app. There's a $20 no sweat bet, even if you're an account holder. So you can bet the Derby for free, basically. If you bet for 20 bucks, and he doesn't win, you get that money back. So this is what I'm going to tell you. Confidence game, 20 to 1 morning line. You're going to get close to that come post time, right? I'm not going to discount Forte. He's a favorite. He should be close to 4 to 1. He's a really nice horse. The other one I'm going to tell you, Derma Sotagake. He's from Japan. There's two horses in this field from Japan. Both of them are live. Derma Sotagake won a prep race in Dubai. And people are fading him a little bit because no horse has won from Japan and no horse has won who prepped in Dubai for the Kentucky Derby. But these are trends that are just going to end someday. Japan has the best racehorses in the world right now, and it's, it's by a considerable margin. They show up on all the big days, whether it's in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, the U.S., you name it, and they win all the biggest races. It's pretty impressive what they've done with their, with their breed and their program over the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, the other one is named Mandarin Hero. Now, Mandarin Hero finished second in the Santa Anita Derby. Both practical move, the winner of the Santa Anita Derby, and then a horse named Skinner, who was third in that race, spiked temperatures and had to scratch. So he's the only horse representing California. And California's had a great record in the Derby. So I would throw Mandarin Hero in there as well. 
Uh, and then the last one I'll give you is Angel of Empire. You can bet them however you want. If I'm going to say straight win bet, it's confidence game the whole way. Um, but if I'm playing exotics, if you're going to play an exacto or a trifecta, I would throw all those horses in there. It's, it's one of the best days of wagering on the year. And I would try to get live to as many horses as you can in the derby. Well, that's awesome right there. Michael Joyce, FanDuel TV. You can check him out. Racing host, analyst, and reporter. Hey, Michael, I really do appreciate you. I know you're out there in the grandstand and you know, got all those people around you giving us a call because I literally know zero about it. And you just far educated our audience out there to the point where they need to be far more than I ever could. So thank you very much for hopping on here on this Friday. Hey, and you don't got to listen to me. You know, like, open up the, the FanDuel Sportsbook app, bet your favorite name, bet your favorite color, bet something. Just get a little action on it and see why this is the best game in the world, man. You got it. Michael, thank you very much. Enjoy it tomorrow. Enjoy the weekend down in Louisville. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pilot, every Friday brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations at CarX.com. Joe Childers run CarX locations where just a week ago they gave me all new brakes on the front at a great price, and there's nobody better to do it than your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. Bob Lovells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, John. I'm great. Thanks uh, for having me. So, are we counting down? Does your hiatus for the summer begin after the 500 or prior to? Uh, the Saturday night before the 500 is uh, the final night for me uh, for this season, season 29, and then I'll be back on the air on August 4th. For your 30th season. That's incredible. I'm gonna, <laughs> let's, let's think about this for a moment. Who has been... Who has been in this market, radio or TV, for 30 years like you have? Uh, like, Bob and Bob, like Tom Griswold. Tom Griswold's right. one. Chuck Lofton is probably another. Dave Calabro I, is uh, on, on the same schedule as I am. This yeah. His 29th Calabro, doing what he does. Yeah, absolutely. He's in the neighborhood as well. But it yeah. is a, a small handful <laughs> of folks that have been right. been there that long going on your 30th year, man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, we haven't gotten through 29 yet, but uh, <laughs> but thank you anyway. But it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, I don't have, I have no explanation for it. I don't think we uh, felt like we were going to be on for 29 days yeah. when we started. And so um, just happy. Don't want to sound like uh, Tim Robbins in a, a, a movie, but I'm happy to be here and hope I can help the ball club. Um, Debbie Knox, I believe. She yeah, may, yeah, sure. upon her movement from Wish to CBS4, spend some time on the beach. But Debbie Knox is still around, so she would be in that category too. But, buddy, that's a select few. And you know how unbelievable that is? in these multi-eras of communications of media that you've gone through, that is an absolute amazing feat. Like, I think about it, I've been doing this show or a variation of it outside of, you know, a six-month hiatus that I had to take uh, to oblige my contract and non-compete back in uh, 09 to 10. 
I have been doing my own show since 04, so I'm approaching 20 years. That's that's amazing, but 30 is incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible to me. Well, thank you, John. Uh, it is um, it's a long time, and I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who who would say you should have stopped at 20 or 25 or somewhere <laughs> along the way, but. Um, you know, we're, we just do what we do. The, they play games on Friday and Saturday night, and we talk yeah. about it. So that, that's the whole concept. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, we're, we're coming down the stretch run here of the high school sports calendar. Uh, what, what stood out? And I, I know right now you still got baseball and softball track, among others, but certainly in baseball and softball, you got Max Clark down in Franklin, who right, arguably is right. the best baseball player in the nation. You got Keegan Rothrock, who, you know, I would talk to at, at length last week at that Ron Colley Roar event that I hosted. It's just such a spectacular girl at Ron Colley High School, just beyond her softball talent. But she is probably even less of an argument, the best softball player in, right. in the, the nation right now. I, I can't remember a time when you had the baseball and softball best in the state of Indiana, much less coming from the county of Johnson. But what else stands out about what you have seen so far and about the stretch run of the high school sports calendar that you've covered? Yeah, I just think generally, John, for, for high school sports, it's been – uh, it's been great to get back and be able to watch games in person and, and get back to where we were before COVID. You know, crowds were huge uh, during the football and basketball tournaments. They were they were big throughout the regular season. You know, you're just talking about softball and baseball. You go out right now on a day like today, you'll have huge crowds watching kids play because everyone's just excited about the opportunity to go out and support the kids in their communities. And it's to me, that's been one of the biggest stores of the entire year. You, yeah, you've had great teams. You know, Ben Davis, you know, runs the table in, in boys basketball, which is a tremendous story. You talk about the individual talent, but overall, I think when you look at it, everybody, we we really, really do love high school sports in our state, and uh, thank goodness we're all able to go out and watch it and have a good time. No doubt about that, too. And, and it's just been. Like, I was at Warren on Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, for Laney had games over there. And, you know, you talk about a trophy case. Bob, that's a trophy case right there at Warren Central. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have to alphabetize that trophy case. It is so, uh, it is so large. Um, they, they max it out. There's no doubt about that. But, though, you know, one thing that they're doing right now, going back to Chris Byers, uh, Chris Byers was at Warren, one of the better known, one of the higher quality high school basketball right. coaches right. Uh, in the state of Indiana. Are you surprised that he decided to double back and go go to Warren again? Uh, not really. I mean, he he had great success there. I, I think he he's a, a coach who will win wherever he goes. Uh, and I think that you know Warren's a special place to him and to his family. And uh, no, uh, and you don't often get the opportunity to go back. I, I think that's what makes it unusual. And um, I think he still has a lot of ties, uh, a fondness for the institution, and feels like he can do some special things there. Yeah. You ever think about how 
Sometimes I think I'd be apprehensive about it being as good as it was the first time around. Or what I'm saying here, Bob, as a coach, former coach, you would understand this. Going back somewhere where you had great memories, you had a title, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there were also probably reasons why at that time you were also ready to leave. Does that kind of prey upon your mind? Is there a a delicate balance going on in that decision-making process? Oh, I think it does. I I think the other part of it that creeps in there, John, is – Listen, I say it all the time. It's hard to win. You know what I mean? It's it's really hard to win. And then when you put together a special group like Chris had in during that undefeated season at Warren Central, it's hard to repeat that. It's hard to replicate all of those things. You know, maybe an assistant coach or maybe, yeah. you know, a bench player who had a crucial. It's, it's hard to recreate all those things the same way that you did the first time around. Uh, which I think makes it very, very difficult to go back and try to have the same level of success. It doesn't happen very often, I think, for a reason. No, you're right. And here's the other thing, too, and this dynamic continues to get worse as we move along. It's, I mean, if you thought, you know, the whole the dynamic between the parents and, you know, the officials <laughs> and the way they feel now, mm-hmm. or I should say mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 20 years ago was bad. It just continues to get worse. And, you know, with that in mind, Bob, you've been around this long enough to know there's really no end in sight for that. It just seems like as long as you have parents, there's going to be a degree and probably a higher degree of anger going towards, you know, a coach or an official or a team. And there just doesn't look like there's there's any – yeah, there's any stopping in there. There's, and, and certainly it doesn't look like anybody's come up with a solution to, at the very least, even curb it. Seems like it gets worse and worse. Well, you, you see certain schools, certain communities who are, uh, you know, starting to ban parents, uh, you know, for their behavior at games. They give you a warning, you know, on the second infraction, you won't be allowed in the gym. You don't see a lot of it, clearly, but it, it is happening at selected places around I think the bigger issue uh, that, that's upon us in Indiana is that the IHSAA continues to tell you, it continues to ring the alarm bell that we are running out of officials, uh, don't have enough to adequately staff the first round of the football playoffs. That as it stands now, they're dangerously close to not having enough licensed, competent officials on that first round of the sectionals to do their football tournament. And that would necessitate moving, you know, that first week. You might have to play on a Thursday. You might have to – you may, you have to redo the schedule. But they are, they are teetering on the brink of being uh, in a position to do that. And if that doesn't raise uh, some concerns to people, it absolutely should. And the specific reason is they can't get official. Guys don't want to do it. Ladies don't want to do it. They don't want to go through the abuse for the low pay. And um, it, it, it's going to happen. I think it's all in my mind. It's a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. The question is when, but it's going to happen. Do they have a contingency plan on how to handle that? Because if you say that's a foregone conclusion, you have to have preparation, knowing that that's going to happen, and how you have to deal with it. Well, I don't represent the IHSAA. That's my opinion. But they have been working for years on contingency yeah. plans in case they don't have enough officials because it's that critical of a situation for them. Man. 
That is not good. You know what's funny about that, Bobby, is most people would suggest, well, you know, high school football will be different than basketball. I mean, the basketball officials are there front and center and hear absolutely everything. So it may surprise some that in this case, it's more of a dire situation with the high school football officials than even the high school officials. Well, it's a numbers game, John, specifically in football. I mean, think about it. You have uh, 300 teams that are playing, so you have over 150 games on that first in that, in that first round. And so, um, look, officials are being berated by fans as they come off the field, even though they're not up close and personal. They're still getting their shots and following out the cars after the games in the parking lot and those kinds of things. So it happens. Uh, and I'm not sure how widespread it is, but it, in fact, does happen. And so, you know, the, the commissioner has talked about this for the last two or three years, that when it comes to tournament time, specifically in football and even in basketball, they are struggling to find enough officials to adequately staff uh, the early rounds of the tournament. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk across the great state of Indiana with the Network Indiana affiliation. I was just looking at your station list yesterday when I was in the building. That is a who's who. You know, it's, it's funny. I was there is a pretty good balance you have between north and south, and I know that there are a few more. Let's just say south of of Washington Street in the state of Indiana than there are north of it, but not too many. You've got a pretty good balance. Well, thank you, John. uh, We've worked pretty hard at it for 29 years, and, um, you know, I think it's it's a special show. Uh, It it has its own history. Uh, It has its own personality, even though I host it. The the show is like a good friend, you know, and when you're out on Friday yeah. and Saturday nights after games, you know to get in your car, turn on the dial, and and hit and hit scan or hit your favorite station because you're gonna you want to hear the scores, you want to hear us talk to coaches, and it's uh, I think it's uniquely Hoosier. I don't think there are any too many states that do what we do, and I'm I'm just blessed and fortunate to be able to have been the guy that's uh, given me the keys to the candy store for 29 years, and. Uh, it's been fun. I mean, it's not over. I don't want anyone no. to misunderstand. It, it's far from over, uh, but it's uh, you know it's that time of year where we're wrapping up this season, and I'm going to take a couple weeks off, and I'm I'm not going to be with you next uh, next weekend or next Friday. I've got a I've got a I've got a little uh, surgical issue that I have to deal with on Thursday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, incapacitated. Uh, so I'll right. miss you next Friday, and then from there I'll be on uh, my normal hiatus. So always great to talk to you. Sometimes we'll catch well, up somewhere and have some fun. We we uh, we require our guests, even in the recovery room, to still make sure their appearance is there on Friday. So well, I'll tell you what. Here's the situation. It's and it's um, it's not a big. It's a big deal. Any kind of surgery is yeah. a, a big deal, but I'm having some uh, carotid artery surgery, kind of cleaning up one of my carotid arteries. Frankly, uh-huh. surgery's on Thursday. I might be able to do it on Friday. Um, uh, who knows? I'll, I'll look forward, but I'm, I'm making plans not to. Um, just, uh, you know, you never know. So that's it. This old age thing, John, is catching up with me. Are they going to give you some uh, good pharmaceuticals to make sure that there is uh, zero pain going along with the aftermath of this? 
Well, I'm just reading the information on pain management, so I haven't gotten to that point yet. So, uh, but they, they don't want you to. They, they mentioned specifically uh, in boldface type, we don't want you to be in pain, and so um, right. uh, that's, that's good news to hear. Well, hey, we're going to be thinking about you. Our friend Rick Venturi this past week also had a surgical procedure, and uh, we think about him as well. You guys and are, are vital, and, and you know what's great about it? Not only are you guys vital, um, I love just sitting here and talking with you. I love sitting here and having you guys talk. Because there are well, moments when my dumb yeah. ass needs to be talking, and then there are moments when my dumb ass needs to shut up. And when you guys talk, that's one of those times. So I'd encourage yeah. you to get more exciting guests than, uh, than your current one. Um, but I, I always appreciate the invitation. Listen, when I'm talking to somebody that's been on the air going on 30 years, as long or maybe even longer than Chuck Lofton or Debbie Knox or Dave Calabro, I mean, that's a who's who of this market of all time, Bob. That is, and I know you're continuing moving forward. That is an absolute amazing run that when it is done, when you do decide to go ahead and rest, that is, that's that's going to need significant recognition right there. That's a big damn deal, Bob. It really is. Yeah, you're very, you're you're kind, John. And and, uh, I'm just, uh, at some point, I'm going to uh, try to figure out what a, a Friday and Saturday night's going to be like with my wife since I don't have them very often throughout these last 29 years. So, you know, <laughs> I'm having fun now. Just going to continue to have as much fun doing these kinds of uh, things with you on Fridays are a big part of why I like doing what I do. And I, I know I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. So, you know, I just keep doing it as long as it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we're always thinking about you next week. Um, you know, be best good. wishes for that surgery. Thanks. And uh, we'll get you back on when you've recovered and you're good to go, okay? All right, John. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the time. Have a great weekend.